Let's go ahead and turn to God's word this morning. The text that is printed in your bulletin is actually not the text that we're going to be in uh, this morning. Uh, COVID has hit the uh, Isaac household. Uh, they're doing okay, but still trying to stay at home and stay safe. So that is a text that Chuck will be preaching in the coming weeks. We're uh, continuing in the book of Romans. He'll pick up uh, where he left off in chapter 10. But this morning, we will be in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verses 11 through 14, and then chapter 10 verses 11 through 18. I'll have the text up on the screen for you, but if you have a phone or a physical Bible and want to turn there, it's Hebrews 9 and uh, Hebrews chapter 10, as we will be this morning, okay? So kind of some context of where we are in the scriptures. Uh, We are in the New Testament. Hebrews is a letter that is written after the life of Jesus. Uh, The letter was written by an unknown source. There have been uh, much debate over the generations of the church since this time, but uh, there has been no consensus on who the author is of the book of Hebrews. Uh, in this book, we see uh, strong links uh, to the Old Testament. We see over and over again that the author is comparing the old way of faith in the Old Covenant to the new way under Jesus. So we see this theme of Jesus over and over again being greater than the previous covenant establishments. The first part of Hebrews, we see that Jesus is greater than the angels. We see Jesus is the greater Moses. We see Jesus is the greater high priest. We see the new covenant is greater than the old covenant because it is mediated by God's own Son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, when we get to Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, the author speaks of Jesus as being the greater sacrifice. So he's comparing the old sacrifice to the new sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and turn to God's word. We're going to be starting in Hebrews chapter 9. This is verses 11 through 14 to begin. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now we're in chapter 10. This is verses 11 through 18. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Let's pray together. God, we come before you uh, this morning with hearts of thankfulness that you have given us uh, your word to study, to understand more about our sinful condition and more of your sacrificial gift of your son's blood on our behalf. Father, as we uh, come before you this morning in this time, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us through this text. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So early in marriage, um, Alice and I have been married for 13 years, and early in marriage, when we would go out uh, for a date, the first question I would ask her is, what kind of food do you feel like tonight? We would go back and forth, and I was very opinionated, so I'm sure we would go to the restaurant uh, that I wanted. Uh, selfishly, a young man uh, married at an early age. But fast forward to today, I have three children, we've been married for 13 years, and the first question I ask her is not, what kind of food are you feeling like, but how are the kids doing? Because even though we may want to go to Roadhouse or Olive Garden or one of these places, we will probably end up at Chick-fil-A, right? (laughs) That's the narrative of having young kids right there, is that Allison and I, over time, have learned to sacrifice certain things for the good of our family. Even though we want to sit down at a restaurant, we often will sacrifice these desires to go to Chick-fil-A, to go to McDonald's, one of these places where we go time and time again. Whether a small example like this or big examples in your own life, we all make sacrifices for other people. Even thinking about this time of year, New Year's resolutions have come, right? We decide this year will be different. So we sacrifice the food we want to eat to lose the extra weight. We sacrifice the time we spend on non-productive things to be more productive. These things aren't bad in themselves, but it gets us thinking about the word sacrifice and how we view it today. Now when we come to this text in Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10, That original audience did not hear the word sacrifice like you and me hear it. Within the original context, in the Old Covenant, the people of God would have been presenting sacrifices through a priest to purify themselves before God so they could enter into the house of worship. They would have constantly been doing this. If you're anything like me, you know that you sin constantly. And that would have been the same for that time. They would have been constantly knowing that they need to bring forward a sacrifice for their sin to be ritually pure before the Lord. So this was not a small issue for them, like sacrificing their desire to go to a restaurant and going to Chick-fil-A instead. Working or sacrificing for purification was normal. That happened all the time. It was in their normal routine of life. And the generations leading up to this point... The people of God had sacrificed animals and animals and animals on behalf of their sin. So here, in the book of Hebrews, we see he is writing this to those people because they are tempted to look back. A type of religion that purified them before. Look back and say, "I, I need to do something when I sin." 
to be made right with God, I have to do something. I have to bring something to him. They're tempted to do that. And for us, I think that we can relate to that more than we want to believe. We often believe that we need to bring a sacrifice to God to be made right with him when we sin. We believe there's something we have to do, something we must do to be made right when we mess up. Oh God, I know I have messed up, but the last couple of days I read my Bible two times. I cleaned up my act really good after I messed up. Will you accept me now? We will see this morning in our text that the work of Jesus Christ has satisfied the wrath of God and the work is completely done. It was not work that was done by a priest, but by our high priest, Jesus Christ himself. So the theme we're looking at today is that in Jesus, we have a greater sacrifice that washes us clean. In Jesus, we have a greater sacrifice that washes us clean. We're going to look at two main headings, the old sacrifice and then the new sacrifice. And under each of those, we're going to compare sanctuary and sacrifice. The outline is up here, and we're going to walk through these kind of one at a time. So first, old sacrifice and then new sacrifice. So let's start with the old sacrifice, starting with sanctuary. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, the author says this. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So in the Old Covenant, we see that the high priest, he enters an earthly tabernacle to make sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people. And this would have been a very regimented order that this priest had to go through. It was an ongoing work that, that happened time and time and time again in this earthly tabernacle. In the second half of the verse, it says that he stands daily at his service. So this priest was mediating an ongoing sacrificial system for God's people. It needed continuous work. He never would have thought, after this sacrifice, my work is done. No, there was always going to be the need for further and further and more sacrifices. Many theologians will say that no priest in the line of Israel ever sat in the presence of God. One theologian even says this, there were no chairs in the tabernacle, not even a provision whatsoever to sit down. They were constantly standing, knowing that their sacred duties were never done. The sacrifices would always need to be repeated time and time again. So that's what happened in the sanctuary. Secondly, Sacrifice, in chapter 9, verse 12, it says this, Priests of the Old Covenant sacrificed by the means of the blood of goats and calves. The author here is referring to the Day of Atonement. Now, in the old sacrificial system, the Day of Atonement would have been one day each year where the high priest went into the presence of God behind the veil into the holy of holies to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people he would enter into God's presence alone by himself 
and bring a blood offering of a bull and a goat. And it only happened once a year. And only done by the high priest. He was the only one with direct access to the presence of God. So in this system, the people had a veiled access to God. And it was only through this mediator, the priest, the high priest, that people had access to the presence of God. They were not given direct access to God, but only given access through this mediator. In, in chapter 10, verse 11, he goes on, says, The priests were offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. This sacrifice that they were making was only for the purification of their moral defilement. This purification allowed them to come into God's presence to worship Him, but it did not take away sins. It made them ritually clean, but they did not walk away with their sins forgiven. In the Old Covenant, the sacrifice was animal blood. Only the priest had direct access to the presence of God, and this sacrifice did not remove their sin. Prior to going to seminary, I've told uh, you this, maybe from the pulpit, if not uh, many of you in person. I worked at Verizon uh, in Las Cruces. I was born and raised there, and I worked there after college. Uh, such a great job. I don't know if you've ever been in a cell phone shop in the last, like, 10 years, but they're madhouses, right? It just was crazy, right? So it's so busy. If you've been to Las Cruces much, it's much smaller than El Paso, uh, about 100,000 people, and there was one main corporate Verizon store. 80% of the phones when I worked there were Verizon provided in Las Cruces. So you can imagine how busy this store was. All the time, even on a Tuesday, which was the slowest day of the week for us, there would be a line of 10 people waiting at the door every single day. This isn't the iPhone launch day, right? That's 100 people in line. But every single day, there was so much work to be done. The store was so busy all the time. New phones come out, phones break. Younger people getting the phone for the first time. The work was constant. It never stopped. I never imagined a day in that job when I would sell a phone and be like, this is the last one that anyone's ever going to need. No, there's always going to be work. Always. And in our passage today, these Hebrews were used to a sacrificial system that was ongoing, that had no end in sight. They were used to it. They expected a sacrificial system that required work by them constantly. For all of us in the room, this is really relatable in a lot of aspects in our life, right? There is ongoing work in almost every area of our life. I think about parenting with my own kids. I have three children, uh, eight, almost seven, and one, all, all girls. And I think about my work with them. Every single morning, I know that I'm going to have to wake them up, whether if it's a school day or not. I'm going to have to feed them breakfast. I'm going to have to get them out the door. At nighttime, when it's 7 p.m., we begin our bedtime routine. I know that many of you in the room are not in this phase of life. I feel like the work is never ending, and it will never end. Somebody help me. Just kidding. <laughs> but it's constant. It's all the time. You can think about in your vocation or in your work or maybe you're a student. Most of us will go to work today or tomorrow or the next day knowing the next day there's just going to be more work and the next day and the next day and the next day. If you're a student, you finish one assignment, you know there's another one that's going to be due the next week. 
if you dirty a bunch of dishes and put them in the, dish, the sink, you know the next day after you clean those, there's going to be more dishes. Amen. <laughs> in seminary, we didn't have a dishwasher, and man, it was sanctifying. Jeez. So, it's so much work. Now I have a dishwasher, and I'm still grumbling up here. So, sorry about that. But in most parts of our lives, right, there's this ongoing work. A process, something that needs to be done every single day. There's no final work accomplished that bears much weight in our daily lives. So that model, that idea, so easily transfers into our faith. We can easily fall into the trap that each day we have to earn our way back to God. There's something we have to do. Each sin, we have to repay God what we owe Him. We believe there's ongoing work that needs to be done. But I think this text shows us that this pattern of thinking cannot be applied to faith in the Christian religion. It is countered by the work of Jesus Christ. Let's look secondly at the new sacrifice. First was sanctuary again. This is chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is not of this creation. So if you remember in the Old Covenant, the priest would have been entering an earthly tabernacle. But in this text, we see that Christ did not enter an earthly tabernacle to give the sacrifice, but he entered the greater and more perfect tent. So Christ's sacrifice was not presented in an earthly sanctuary, but in the heavenly sanctuary. Not entering the presence of God in the earthly tabernacle, but in the heavenly realm. He was directly in the presence of God. 9.12, the next verse tells us that Jesus entered once for all into the holy places. That in this, the sacrifice that He was presenting was not one that would have had to have been performed over and over and over again. It's a once-for-all sacrifice that would end the need for future sacrifices. He would finally accomplish the work of the priest. So Christ, our high priest, is now the mediator who has put an end to the priestly duties. Jesus presented himself as the perfect sacrifice. He goes on in chapter 10, verse 12, and says this, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So when he had offered himself as the sacrifice and accomplished the work, what does the text tell us that he did? He sat down, sat down at the right hand of the Father in God's very presence. Remember, in the Old Covenant, there was no means for a priest to even sit, ever. There was no chair in the presence of God. Here, Christ sacrificed and He sat because He had completed the work of the priest. The work was done. So going back to my examples earlier, it's, it's as if somehow I disciplined my children this afternoon and knew, oh, they are perfect now. They need no more discipline ever. 
Or my old job at Verizon, I sold that one phone and that's it. That will last for eternity. This is the reality of the work of Jesus. He presents himself in the heavenly realm as the perfect sacrifice. And this is the work of the priest, and it is complete. Last thing we'll look at is sacrifice under the new sacrifice. This is nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 12. He says this. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So there are many differences in the two different sacrifices. There's one glaring uh, similarity between the two uh, sacrifices that the author points out here, that the sacrifice was to be without blemish, to be perfect. Now in the old system, this was an animal without blemish, the best that the person had. But here in the new covenant, Jesus presents himself as the one perfect sacrifice. Not simply a spotless lamb, but the spotless Son of God. That Jesus, the high priest, he is not only the mediator, he is also the sacrifice. He is not only the one who is mediating our relationship to God, but he is also the one who sacrifices himself on our behalf. And through that, we are given unhindered access to the presence of God. There is unveiled access that is given to the Christian community today because of the work of Christ. That through Jesus, we have access to God himself. Chapter 10, verses 11, uh, sorry, 17 through 18. He says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of for sin. The sacrifices of the Old Covenant could not bring forgiveness for sin. But we see in this text that the sacrifice of Jesus does bring forgiveness. In this text, it's hard to see up on the screen, but if you have a Bible on your phone or you're looking at a physical Bible, you can tell it's indented because the author is actually quoting from an Old Testament prophecy. The prophet Jeremiah speaks of a day when the law will be written on the hearts of the people and there will, God will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he looks forward to this day. And these promises of God that were given years and centuries before Jesus coming to earth are now the reality of God's people through Jesus Christ. That Christ's sacrifice was a once-for-all sacrifice that has taken upon himself the sin that you and me still commit today. The worst of the worst of your life, even that was taken on by Jesus. The work has been done, completed. See, the Christ sacrifice, it was not of animal blood. It was his own blood. It has brought unhindered access to God in worship, and it has brought complete forgiveness of sin so if you're anything like me as we close you can fall into believing that we have to earn our way back to god over and over again and this passage today is calling us to realize that it is not our work that cleanses us and never has been but only the work of jesus christ and the blood that he shed on our behalf 
So the call for this passage is to rest in what he has done for us. The work has been done on your behalf and you have been forgiven. When you turn from your sin and you rest in the work that has been done, you have been forgiven. You can find your rest in him today. There's no longer ongoing work that has to be done for you to be right with God. That was completed on Calvary. That was completed by Jesus Christ. So you can rest in that. In Jesus, we have a greater sacrifice that washes us fully clean. Let us pray together. God, we don't even have the words to say that you have been so good to us that you saw the problem that we were facing of our own sin, of running away from you. And you had the solution in your son, Jesus Christ, that he would take on flesh to live a perfect life, to be the sacrifice that we needed to bear the sin that we never could have held on our own. Father, today as we come to your table, we pray that we would have humble hearts, knowing all you have done for us, at the same time knowing that you stay with us because we are seen righteous as your Son is righteous, that in him we are clothed by the good work that he has done, not in anything that we bring, but in simply by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all this we pray. Amen.